very, very interesting uh, usage of words that we find. We actually say this in the Haggadah. It's one of those things that, like, it's at the point where you kind of just start running through it and not every Pasuk, like, kind of fits, but, like, you know, so, like, it's, it kind of gets run over a little bit. But it's there, and it comes up in Parsha Sachodesh, where, so in Parsha Sachodesh, we read about how on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe and Aaron were told, HaChodesh Zedlachem Rosh Chodeshim, and they were given the instructions for the Korban Pesach. That was the, that was the, the, the really the main body of what Parsha Sachodesh covers, or all of the instructions that the Jewish people had for the Karban Pesach. And the Rashi asked the question, why was it? So they're told, take the sheep on the 10th day of the month, 10th day of Nisan, and then get it ready for Shechita, for slaughter, on the 14th day of the month. So getting an animal ready for Shechita is not a four-day process. You don't have to do anything to the animal. So there's a certain amount of like checking it, making sure it doesn't have a mum, making sure it doesn't have any any uh, problem, physical issues. But the Rashi says the following: Why was this four day gap between taking the animal and shechting it? So he says, because that's not a thing that was necessary any other pesach. It was just in Mitzrayim that it was like that. So, Rav Masya ben Charash Omer. Harehu Omer, the Pasuk says, Ve'ever alayich ve'erech. And so I passed over you and I saw. So, and this is something that we talk about in the Haggadah. V'hine itach eisdodim. And now is the time for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to come close to us. We've reached the, the time in that I've swore to Avram Avinu I was going to take his, redeem his children. But they didn't have any mitzvahs in their hands. They didn't have anything to do in order to get out, in order to get geula. It says, And you were unclothed, you were naked. So it's a pasuk that is uh, it's a, you know it's Pesachin Cheskel and so they're described as not having as as being unclothed and that is kind of a euphemism for not having mitzvahs and therefore Vanasalhem Shte mitzvahs and therefore the Jewish people were given two mitzvahs Dam Pesach Vedam Mila two things that in, involve blood one having to do with carbon Pesach one having to do with having bris Mila which they hadn't had all those years in Mitzrayim. Shemalu um, ba'oso alayla that they had a bris milah that night. Shnemar misposeses b'damayich that Hashem saw us in our bloods. V'omerlach b'damayich hayi we say it at a bris we say it at the seder. So Hashem says you will live by your blood or bloods because there's the blood of the korban pesach there's the blood that comes with the bris milah and those are the things that gave us the ability to get out of Mitzrayim. So we have a description of the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. It's time to go. Hashem doesn't have, I mean, Hashem could do anything, but we need to have some kind of a 
something going for us in order to merit the redemption. We've got nothing. We have no mitzvahs to deal with, which in a certain way is understandable. It's not like we had been given the Torah yet. So therefore, we're given two mitzvahs on the spot. Carbon Pesach, bris milah, do him, get him done, and then you guys can go. But the description, the words that are used to describe the Jewish people without mitzvahs is that they are unclothed. So, sounds, and it's something that we say, it, it, I mean, we say this every year in the Haggadah, and it's just one of those sukkim that like, you kind of like, okay, do we translate this? There are kids around. I don't know, like, you know, like, what are we doing over here? What does this mean? Okay, just, let's keep, let's keep going. We're going to get up to the Makos, right? That, that's kind of how we do, how we deal with it. But, it's like a strange turn of phrase. And it's not the only time that this happens. This is something that I, I just... I, I, not something that I ever really noticed before. Um, when Adam and Chava are in Gan Eden. So they're there without clothes on. And that's totally cool. They do the chait. They eat from the etzadas. And then it says that they recognize, they realize that they are unclothed. They realize that they're naked. And they go and they, they take a, a fig leaf and cover themselves up, make themselves belts with it. They got to take care of that problem. That, that's too uncomfortable for them. And there is a, clearly a shift that takes place between a person and their perspective of themselves unclothed before and after the chait. So that's, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that in a second. But, and so at that point, HaKadosh Baruch also goes and ends up making for them clothing. Hashem makes them kasnas ar and, um, and covers them up. So the Yedu, so the Pasuk says, the Yedu and they knew ki erumimhim, that they were naked. Like, it's, the, the, the Pasuk literally says, and their eyes were opened up, and then they knew that they were unclothed. So Rashi says it, like, you don't have to have open eyes to know whether you're dressed or not. Like, what, what does that mean? What does it mean that they knew that they were, that they were unclothed? They had one mitzvah in their hands. And they got undressed from it. And now I've seen this Rashi. I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember ever hearing anyone talk about this Rashi. And I've kind of learned this over a few times um, through the years. It's, a, it's, a, it's again, it's a very interesting turn of phrase. And it sounds almost poetic that Rashi is, and Rashi is quoting a medrash where you're dealing with People who uh, did an Avera, they had one mitzvah, and they blew it. And therefore, one of the results is that they now recognize that they're unclothed, and that becomes a negative thing, and that they feel the need to deal with it and do something about it. And there's this phrase that's used that they 
undress themselves from the mitzvah, and as a result, they, re- they feel and recognize that they are now unclothed. So, unclothed, unclothed, okay, so... But, but there seems to be something going on over here. That there's a concept of that having a mitzvah is something that takes a person from a state of unclothedness to being clothed. And then there's a person, these people who didn't have era, and they went the other way. And they went from being clothed to being... or. From from they weren't exactly. I mean, I, I don't know if I would call them clothed. They were they were equally undressed before and after the chait, but they went from not recognizing that about themselves or not caring about that to caring about that in a way that's kind of negative. So, what is this usage of this word of clothing, non-clothing, that somehow relates to? This the, the the mitzvahs like and having a mitzvah, not having a mitzvah, doing a mitzvah, not doing a mitzvah. Wh- like, where does that is it the kick same in? Naked and um, the word that's used in this Rashi over here in this artelu is is an Aramaic word, but it is used in the context of clothing. It is like a, a the words the words are. It's not exactly. It's not like. It's not that the same exact word is being used, but that the context of... I, if somebody did an Avera, or if somebody did not do a mitzvah, did not follow along with what they were doing, I think that it would be very strange to tell the person that you are not wearing your mitzvah. It's not how we look at it. So if, if a kid's not following the rules in the classroom, you don't say that like, hey, you're not wearing... Rule number three, like, it's a following thing. It's a doing. It's a participating. It's engaged in. It's connection to Hashem. But the, the idea that, like, there's something that is unclothed and clothed about a person with or without mitzvahs or with or without keeping a mitzvah, it, it's just, it seems like an awkward connection. Like, wh- like why is that like the, 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 the way this is being looked at? Like an internal, um, the spiritual element of you know doing mitzvahs and connecting is like internally, right? Totally, right. Not an external. And and in fact, we even talk about doing our mitzvahs externally is like empty, just to go and follow something else. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah. It also be that you, you know, you're surrounded by the by the mitzvahs. What if encompasses you and, and. you know, keeps you whole, keeps you the right way. Or so it, the the idea of a mitzvah encompassing ourselves, yeah, could be, could but be. I think the words in, in English, that's why I was asking in terms of the word, I don't see unclothed and naked as the same word. I see if somebody said if that guy is naked versus that guy is unclothed, unclothed is more refined right. than naked. Right. Although you wouldn't say a newborn baby was unclothed, but you wouldn't say the baby was naked. I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in New England, and that's just not a refined. Is that a, is that a refined thing to say? say. Um, it isn't a, right. It's it's kind of unrefined. I wonder if in other languages 
because in English we do have that nuance. I, I agree with you. I think that in Yiddish, I think you just say, I think the word is naket, I think, actually. But like, I don't think that there's... There's no difference. I'm not sure, yeah. But in Hebrew, you're saying anyways, there are two different... There are two lessons. It two is, lessons. it is, yeah, one of them is Aramaic and one of them is like from Navi, like how but Navi. These are both from the Chumash, the, uh, you know, the. These are just two different Rashis. Oh, Rashis, okay. Rashi, but Rashi in one place is quoting a Chazal that's, that's playing off of this Pasuk about a description of the Jewish people as being Aram, as being, as, as being naked. That, that's the, now over here in the Pasuk, it is the same word of Arum, but and Rashi is using a Rashi quoting a Madrash is using a term of now you have undressed yourself from it, from it mm-hmm. therefore you are noticing that you are naked. Mm-hmm. So, and the funny thing is they use that for Sly also, Nachashaya Arum. Arum is also right, yeah, yeah, yep. so. So it's very interesting. The there is when when we talk about um, the concept of clothing and what it does, and this this is um, very much spoken about in the context of the big day kahuna, and how such a big deal is made of how the kohanim are dressed, kohen gadol is dressed, and how it's lechavad ulisafaris. And how their clothes, the clothing is looked at as something that gives kavod, and gives to Ferris and gives splendor, gives honor and gives splendor. And what exactly that means, and how, and 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 what that is saying, is, uh, is is something that that you know we should talk about. There's a Gemara in Shabbos that talks about he uh, that uh, that a certain ta- a certain Amora Rabbi Yochanan used to refer to his clothing as mechabdusi, or mechabdusai, the things that give me kavod. That, that, that's how he referred to clothing. And he's not referring to that he wore some sort of splendorous type of uh, royal garment. He's saying that that's what, that's what clothing are. Clothing are the thing that give us kavod, that give us honor. And it almost like speaks to, to what you were saying about using the, our English-American use of the word naked. When, when we, if we would talk about a group of people who were running around in the jungle naked, so we would think of them as being... Savage. Savage, primitive. Yeah. We, we would say that that would be a description of a people that we would view as being um, animal-like, mm-hmm. close to animal-like, that there's something about them that's, that, that, that is so unrefined, and it's, it's like an unrefined description of, 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 of just total lack of refinement. So if people who walk around like that are unrefined, they are lacking in a certain covode. Not just, uh, you know, I'm more honorable that, that, you know, so if a person is walking around and they have, you know, a fancy, you know, watch like this. So that's a person who has like, maybe is a little, you know, somebody's wearing a Rolex. So then that's covered. And then there's the guy with the, you know, with the regular watch. 
less mukhubad, less honorable. There's a guy who's walking around in jeans, certain. There's a guy walking around in a suit, different level of cover, different level of, of, of cover that a person presents. It's, it's, it's something more than that. That's just like describing levels of, uh, you know, what kind of honorable situation a person is in, what kind of image they're, they're casting about themselves. There's something else that speaks to the, the humanity of a person if he's a person who wears clothing. And that that is something that really speaks to the essence of who and what a person is. And that's what the role of clothing does for, for a person. Adam and Chava, before they did the chait, why were they able to walk around naked and be okay with it? It's not because they were more primitive. It's not like, you know, that they were cave people. It's their neshama was so much their identity that it was covered by a body. And, it, and, and in a sense, you could say, like, the body was the clothing of the person, because the person was so much so the neshama. So therefore, the idea that they had a body and that it was exposed, it, it, it's, it's just some sort of outer layer that is, uh, you know, that interfaces with this world. And hey, it, it, it has a very functional... Um, you know, it, it is just a functional thing that is attached to the person, but the essential person was was hidden as the neshama. When they did the chait, their identity shifted, and they're no longer just defined as the neshama that's inside of them. Now they become this uh, conglomeration of there's a neshama and there's a guf, and there's ruchnius, and there's gashmius, and there's the spiritual side of them, and the physical side of them, and who you are and what you are becomes very unclear at that point. Now that the Yetzirah is inside of them, and it really becomes part of who they are, so now I very strongly identify with the physical side of myself. So everybody who's looking at, you know, if somebody's looking at Adamarishan's body, so now you're not looking at some outer layer of himself. Now you're looking at himself. If he's willing to just have that hanging out there for everybody to see, he's like an animal. It's just like what bahema, like an animal is described as what it is, is right there. That's not the, 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 the essential mida of tznius, of, of, of this hiddenness that, or, or privateness that a person is supposed to have and that is essential for a human being is that who I am and what I am is something that is kept under wraps in order for that to be a mechubad, a respected and real identity of who I am. So before the chait, Adam and Chava are, and the Torah points out that they're a rumim, that they're unclothed, and it's not an issue because that body is not who they are. They're the thing inside the body. After they do a chait, after the, after the chait is done, so then the who the person is shifts to that external place, and then clothing are the thing that determines, is this an animal or is this a human being? Is this someone who has an identity that they understand needs to be 
kept special and private and in order for them to have kavod, in order for them to have some sort of real sense of worth, it needs to be covered up? Or is it just, are they just animals and they just run around without clothes on? And that's, that's where the kavod of clothing comes in. So it's not about how expensive is this? What does it look like? What materials are made out of? Is it, is it covering you or is it not covering you? Because if it covers you, then it identifies what's underneath it as being something of worth and of value. That is, that, that's, that's the idea of clothing that are able to reveal the, the, the clothes in a sense by covering up something, you are revealing its, its worth and its value. So the more covered it is, the more you're revealing about what it is. And that's the covered. That's why Rabbi Yochanan called that the, the covered giver of himself. So let's shift this conversation. That's what clothing are. Now, for some reason, Chazal described mitzvos in this way. And it's not Chazal. It's really Cheskel. We have a description. The Jewish people are unclothed. They're naked. What does it mean? Well, they didn't have any mitzvos. They didn't have any mitzvos, and therefore, what does that mean? So, if we can just take this by association. If you have a mitzvah, that means that there is an inherent worth to you and who you are. If you don't, then that value and that worth is not there anymore. So, Adam Arishon, the reason he became aware of his nakedness is because the thing that was the definer of who he was as a human being, as this elevated human being, was the mitzvah. He dropped the mitzvah, and as a result, he's now naked. Naked from... Don't eat from the eighth hadas. Yeah, the one thing to do. That was an Avera if he does it. It was a mitzvah. It was a mitzvah. It was a that It was a mitzvah. It was a mitzvah. It was a he now becomes a being that is now changed, and now he needs something else, clothing, in order to create that covered for him in, in, a, in a, almost like a totally different way, but, but, but that the mitzvah was the thing that defined him and gave him his worth and gave him that essential value. Klal Yisrael, so let's fast forward in time, and it's time. And Hashem says, it's time for me to redeem you. And, but uh-oh, you're missing something. The description of that is that you're missing clothing. Now, we can understand in a sense that a mitzvah does surround a person and create an aura around a person. That's, that's, that's true. But what it's saying more, I think more uh, essentially is that uh, the, these people, what was their value that they were worthy of Gula? Mm-hmm. 
What made them people who were able to have a geula? They didn't have anything that was giving them that intrinsic elevated value that would say, oh, these are the children of Avram Avinu. They're the ones who need to get out of here right now. That was something I, that they didn't change their names and that they're... they're cl- wasn't that a mitzvah of sorts? It was... Yeah, it was... Uh, I would say... Is they, they weren't mitzvahs. They were, like they were brownie points. Right, that's, okay, that's where they say it. They were, they were nice. They were things that kept their identity. You know, you want to... I, 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 I'm, I'm nervous to make the comparison, but while Jewish identity and the way it's talked about in our broad world today is something that's obviously like it's not Judaism cringeable very cringeable but at the same time it's something it's something if somebody feels the need that like you know they don't do anything else but they will sit down with the family and have a Seder you know any bread uh, you know, uh, or watch TV during it. But but the idea that people have something that is still connecting them, that their identity is still alive, it's it's keeping up that connection. A mitzvah, you know, hard, hard to call it that. And it's certainly in a, in a pre-Matan Torah world, how to define exactly what a mitzvah is and what it isn't. And the Jewish people, and we have this tent, we, we have this very strange... Um, picture of people who like kept their names, kept, kept their language, you know, clothing. Seems like they were doing a Vodazara. They were bottoming, bottoming out on the whole <coughs> Toma, on the whole impurity of Mitzrayim. Those things were happening at the same time. Well, we do that today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 Get the mitzvahs and do everything, but then there's this at the same time, there's some bottoming out that's going on. So, you know, so, yeah, so, so you know, so, so as much as they were doing something, but the idea that they had a separate type of mitzvah, the idea that just like we say that the defining difference between, and again, I'm not sure if this is politically correct nowadays to say that the defining difference between somebody who's running around in a jungle, jungle without clothes on and us are, are, are you know that they are animal like and that we are different what's the difference don't we aren't we all biologically the same don't we aren't we all humans couldn't they come and become like us as opposed to a cow who just couldn't become like us if you wanted to absolutely but as from a gradation level we will say that this is a person who's acting like a ben adam this is a person who's acting like you know, a human being, and this is a person who's acting savage, animal-like, and that there is this shift that takes place because this is a clothes-wearing person. So too, there is a difference between a person who is a mitzvah-wearing person and a person who does not have those mitzvahs. And that was the shift that... HaKadosh Baruch Hu was trying to create in us. Just like we have that, like, that big difference maker. When, when we think about 
what it means that we have mitzvos, and what it what it means with, that we do mitzvos. The idea that a person who is engaged in mitzvos and pursues them and tries to do them to the best of their ability, Hashem said, "I can redeem a people that is dressed in mitzvos. I cannot redeem a people that does not that that is." that is devoid of them, that's naked of them. There's, there is such a shift that takes place between that. What that teaches us about ourselves and the mitzvahs that we, that we do is what kind of value do we put on the mitzvahs that are presented to us? We, we, you know, we, Baruch Hashem, we live in a world in which we do have a lot of mitzvahs. We have, and we have opportunities to engage in all of them. And a lot of times, the quality of a mitzvah has to do with our attitude towards it and, and, and what it is able to do to us and how it's able to affect us. Chazal is showing us over here that there was a shift. There is a difference between, if, if we would imagine, you know, everybody has that dream, you know, that, you know, Freud always talks about that dream of like somebody, you know, all of a sudden finds himself in public without clothes on, right? And what does that mean? And what does that say? And what's that, right? The, the idea of somebody all of a sudden not having their clothes is the most, de- I mean, the Nazis did it. It's the most dehumanizing thing that can be done to a person. When we think about if a person would suddenly ha- not be able to have their mitzvos, that it is a de. Judification. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is for it, but it, it 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 downgrades us from being one type of person to another type of person. But at the same time, having mitzvos, being able to every time that I engage in a mitzvah to recognize that, like, wait a second, this isn't just another check mark that I can do. This is not just another brownie point. This is not just another cherry on top. This is something that has the ability to shift me from just like a savage to a person walks around with clothing, is th- that shift takes place just by having the clothes on. Having a mitzvah is something that is able to take us from one type of person to a totally different, elevated type of Jew and type of person. It's able to take us from a person who is not holding by being able to be redeemed to being a person who is able to be redeemed. That's the shift that takes place. So when Parsha Sachodesh, as the Jewish people, are being introduced to a world of Torah and mitzvos, because that really is this, the first mitzvah that's being given, is HaChodesh HaZadlachem Rosh Chodashim, that this is the first month, and being told as individuals, okay guys, everybody go, grab your sheep, okay, 10th of the month, take it, uh, you know, guys, go, all the guys, go get a bris milah, we, we, we need to do this right now. Why? Because we are becoming different types of people. And if that's our attitude towards mitzvos, then we become, we're able to, to experience that shift, that shift of somebody who is not roi for geula, not somebody who's not able to experience geula, even though the time is right and everything is, Shem said, I, I just, I, it's, it just can't happen now with the people as they are. But that shift is able to take place, is able to happen when a person is able to do and a person does engage in those mitzvahs.
But hadn't Hashem sort of promised Abraham that he was going to take the people out? And he didn't put any. He didn't put any any limitations on. He said, you know. He said, "I'm going to take him out." Yes. And therefore, so listen. Hashem, if he hadn't promised them in that, he could have just said like, hey, it's time to go out. You guys ready? Nope. Okay, you haven't done any mitzvahs. See you later. No, so Hashem gave us all the tools. Okay. Now, at the end of the day, we had to choose to engage in them. That was something that we needed to do. We needed to show ourselves as the children of Avram. He wouldn't have taken us out without that then? It seems that without that, if we would have just said like, no, thanks. No. So weren't four-fifths of them chose not okay, to be yeah, part of it? Yeah. You choose not to be part of it, you're out. So, listen, the idea of being a child of Avram Avinu is not just a biological thing. It's part of the choice that we make as well. So it's, it's part of what we decide about ourselves. All right.